she's also a he. More. More. I like more. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I'm bisexual, actually. Oh! Yeah. I go both ways. to Bisexual Breakdown, where we have breakdowns as we break down pop culture. My name is Katie, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Serena. This is part two of our Nicholas Galadzine series, where we discuss and rate all of the projects that he's done. If you haven't yet, you can listen to our first episode, which has already been posted, and then come back to this one for the conclusion of all of his projects that we watched. We just couldn't fit it all into one episode, so we had to split it into two because, as always, we have way too much to say about him. We hope you enjoy this second episode about Nicholas Galatine. So Chambers is a um, Netflix or was a Netflix TV show that premiered April 2019. This is also a supernatural horror TV show. And it follows the journey of an Indigenous teen in Arizona named Sasha who has to get a heart transplant. And as a result, she starts to suffer visions that are connected to the girl that she got the heart from who died around the same time that she like needed the heart transplant and nick plays elliot who is the twin brother of the girl who passed away who was the heart donor this is something that was a lot better than i was expecting as well yeah and it was not on my radar at all like i hadn't heard of it and might not have stumbled onto it if nick weren't in it yeah and i i was kind of surprised because like i said i really like horror stuff and when i learned about it I was like I can't believe that I never heard about this and like it seems like Netflix didn't really promote it very well mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't one of their shows that they were you know concerned about really promoting because I didn't hear about it and I feel like I'm kind of the target audience for something like this and so yeah I was really surprised and I really really enjoyed it I thought that it was really good I enjoyed it too and I'm not the target audience for this because I don't enjoy horror things and I was genuinely scared a lot of the time but um the story was really intriguing so the mystery had me hooked and I was willing to endure all the scary parts to figure out what happened at the end yeah there were some parts that were actually like I wouldn't say like scary but it was I kind of on the edge of my seat kind of thing and I really wanted to know what was going to happen next and at no point was I able to like predict what was going to happen next so yeah I don't know I thought that it was really well done and he does a really good job in the show his character goes through a really intense journey and he has some really intense scenes in the show I really enjoyed his role in the show mm -hmm. and I think it's one of those roles again where when you first meet his character there's more than meets the eye and you slowly get to unravel the depths of that character as the story progresses yeah exactly it's kind of one of those things where he could have been like a really shallow character 
I feel like we had this conversation while we were watching because it's funny because I feel like that's the kind of character he likes where it seems like there is more to more than meets the eye. There's always some kind of twist. Yeah, it could just be like a very shallow, like whatever kind of character, but then slowly the like layers of this person is like revealed. And it feels like that's kind of like... <laughs> It's becoming sort of like his brand, playing someone who like presents themselves as one way, but really has a lot of like hidden depths to him. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that Uma Thurman is in this movie. <gasps> yes. And she plays his mom. And so at this point, Uma Thurman has played the mom to both Nicholas Galtzine and Taylor Zakhar Perez, which is a weird coincidence. The cute little trivia tidbit over there. Also, Tony Goldwyn plays his dad in this movie and so there are two actors who have played american presidents playing his parents in this movie which i just thought was a funny coincidence as well tony goldwyn plays fitzgerald grant president fitzgerald grant on scandal and uma thurman is ellen claremont on red white and royal blue i didn't know that i've never seen scandal so i had no idea so let's go over maybe to the rating yeah sure let's start with that so the first one again the quality of his role how much he's in the project and how meaty his role is he's not in it like yeah he doesn't get as much screen time as the other main characters i think that like the the female lead and the parents get the most screen time but he plays a pretty significant role yeah i definitely think kind of towards the end as well like and not maybe not like the last episode but there's like a few kind of leading up to the end where he's in it mm-hmm. quite a bit definitely like as the show progresses he's in it more i feel like when he's first introduced in like the first episode it seems like he's gonna have a really small part but he ends up having a much bigger part in the show than you would expect and he has some really dramatic scenes like they're big scenes yeah i don't want to like give outrageous spoilers but he (laughs) he does have some really intense scenes towards the end i kind of want to go like maybe a seven i was about to say seven or eight yes how queer is this movie slash how queer is his role not very if we're being honest yeah not not very i mean some of his wardrobe choices were maybe i was gonna say the (laughs) outfits The, the floral shirts that this man wears in this show was honestly like one of my favorite things. There's that one shirt that he wears that I was like obsessed with. Yeah, it's like a very like silky material. Yes, it's always like a silk floral shirt that he's wearing as his character. But yeah, that's just us being delusional. Yeah, he doesn't even really have many interactions with other men in this show other than like his dad. I guess there is that one friend from school that he's like around sometimes, but most of the time he's with the main character who is who's a girl. But is not a love interest character. Not really. I was sort of rooting for them though. Is this a zero? I would I feel bad giving it a zero. Yeah, but I mean it's an honest assessment. It is an honest assessment, yeah. How baby girl is he in this role? I would say extremely baby girl. I was going to say, I feel like it's like off the charts in this show. The amount of times where I was like, I want to literally pick this boy up and like take care of him and like take Mm -hmm. him away from this situation. Yeah. Get this sweet, sweet man out of here. (laughs) 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. 10 out of 10, I would say. When he cries, it genuinely breaks my heart. He is just so soft in some of these scenes. Yeah. And I I feel like he cries more than once in this show. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I said, intense scenes that are like really emotional. Definitely a 10 out of 10. How much do we subjectively like this media taking into account that he's in it? 
I would say a nine. It's pretty high for me. Yeah, it's it is one of those things where it's like I don't know if I would have watched it if he wasn't in it, just because I didn't know about it. But I do feel like if someone had been like, "Hey, I watched this show and it's really good. I think you should watch it." I probably would have, even if he wasn't in it. Yeah, me too. Because it is something that was really interesting. And it does help that he's in it. But like, would I have watched it if he wasn't? Probably. (laughs) I might not have known about it if he wasn't in it. But if someone said to me, this is a really good show and the mystery is really intriguing. Exactly. I would have given it a shot and I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I kind of want to give it like a nine. Mm -hmm. And then objectively, what would we rate it? I'm leaning towards maybe an eight and it would be a nine, except that the ending was really frustrating for me. (laughs) It was also to me because I think that they were trying to set it up for a second season, which they never got. And so it was like very incomplete feeling, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I remember towards the last couple of episodes were like, oh no, how are they possibly going to wrap this up in a satisfying way? And we were so worried that we weren't going to get, you know, a cohesive ending. And we didn't quite get that. Yeah. There's a reveal at the end that is like, huh, that's interesting. It needed so much more time to breathe and to be explained and for the characters to sit with the implications of that reveal. And we just, we didn't get it. Yeah, it would have been so good if we had gotten a second season of that show. And we seem to be the minority on this, Katie, because apparently it got not very great reviews. Not that I looked it up, but it's not something that people are raving about. Yeah, I don't usually read reviews just because I think a lot of things are subjective. I don't want my opinion to be preempted, you know, like I just want to go and it not knowing anything about it so I can make up my own mind about it. Yeah, so I did read a review or two when I was researching in preparation for this episode. And yeah, I don't know, it, it did seem like the reviews weren't that great. And I was sort of confused about it because I disagreed with a lot of the things they were saying. I feel like there were a couple of reviews that said that it was kind of predictable. And I'm just like, I don't know who is watching this and feeling like the things that happen are predictable. <laughs> Yeah, I remember like at the end of several episodes, we were like, what? How is that possible? Or like we would be so shocked that they revealed that information already. And it was something that was like totally out of left field. I know. I feel like it was very shocking and had a lot of good like episode cliffhangers. Like I was thinking if like this had aired in a traditional way, like on TV where you had to like wait a week to see the next episode, I would have been like fully losing my mind. Yeah. And there would be like people online debating like theories and, you know, trying to figure out the mystery as it was playing out. But yeah, we didn't get that experience. No, we got to watch it as quickly as we wanted to, which was still good. I mean, we still had to watch it in a few sittings and I was still like, oh my God. I was really stressed. Yeah, it was it was stressful in like a good way, though, like that kind of like anticipation about what's going to happen next. Yeah, so I'm giving it an eight for objective rating. I think that I am with you on that one. Let's give ourselves a total 68. That's not bad. That's the second highest so far after Handsome Devil. And that tracks. Yeah, I was going to say, that feels about right. All right. The next movie is The Craft Legacy, which came out in 2020. And it's kind of a reboot of and a sequel to the 1996 movie The Craft, which is a 90s classic. And it follows a similar plot. Like four high school girls form a coven. They get into witchcraft. 
and then get in way over their heads. Nick isn't in this movie so much, but he's a really important character to the story. And in true Nick fashion, his character is not what he seems on the surface. And over the course of the movie, there's a transformation of sorts and a revelation that genuinely took me by surprise. And the moment of the reveal was so powerful and emotional. And I unexpectedly teared up. Like it was just something that I wasn't expecting to see at all. And that performance was really good. We'll try to not reveal some other things. If you really don't want to know anything about this movie, maybe don't listen to this part. I think that it's worth going into it blind and and having that. It's going to be hard to like discuss this movie and do the categories that we have without like revealing that his character in the movie is bi. I mean, now that I've already said that, you probably should have already fast forwarded. That's fine. I do think that we need to break that out into the open in order to discuss this properly. Can we talk about that scene and why that reveal about his character is pivotal to this story? Yeah, it's funny because you kind of said this when you were talking about the movie, but he isn't in it a lot. He's not on screen a lot, but I feel like his character is sort of the catalyst or like, you know, like him being in the story is like really important to everything that happens and then that scene is like it was really really unexpectedly emotional like you said and it like changes a lot about how the story moves forward after i guess now if you're still listening maybe you've already seen it or you don't care about spoilers basically he like reveals to the the group of witches from the like his classmates that he's by he comes out and he does this like beautiful speech about how it's really hard for men to be bi because a lot of times society either just like sees them as gay. Like it's such a beautiful and like real scene and he does such a good job. <laughs> I don't know where he finds the like emotions to like play a scene like that, but it's really incredible. At the start of this movie, you know, he's a jock and he's a bit of a bully and so you know like he's like the typical high school antagonist and then the girls cast a spell on him what was the spell about i mean they were trying to make him it's not they don't really like change his personality the point of the spell is to make him his authentic self yes and it turns out that his authentic self is really sensitive and caring and that's how he ends up in a circle with the girls and he reveals this truth about himself and he reveals a relationship with one of the male characters in the movie. And this is another spoiler, so uh, maybe fast forward a few minutes, but <laughs> um, his character dies. And that's kind of a turning point for the coven because they start to realize that, oh, we can't just keep using magic because there are serious consequences. But his presence is, I mean, even though his character dies, he's literally in this movie, like in spirit and present all the way till the end and the story wouldn't have wrapped up if that hadn't happened to him yeah i think that the whole point of him is that he's again like we talked about how much he likes characters that are like are not what they seem is that like he is putting on a lot of like toxic masculinity at the beginning of the movie mm -hmm. and i think the spell that's meant to sort of like reveal his true self is just like removing that mask that he feels like he has to wear. Mm -hmm. Which is a pretty big theme throughout this movie. Like this movie, it's a little bit of a, a heavy handed critique of masculinity. Yeah, 
ultimately they defeat the patriarchy literally and so like nick's character is illustrative of that but there's also another character in this movie who's a commentary on that who is played by david duchovny who is the boyfriend of one of the girl's mom and he's like this Jordan Peterson type psychologist, men's right activist, cult leader character. I think that Nick's character is supposed to be like, you know, holds up a mirror to that kind of masculinity. This is who men could be if they are set free. And I think that's a very Nick role because Nick is a feminist. It's something that he, he cares about. And honestly, it's very sexy of him. Like there's common themes emerging in the kinds of roles that he likes to play and kind of messages that his work is trying to make. Yeah, and I think you're right. It It is like a little heavy handed in this. Mm-hmm. That's why I like his role in this movie like a lot. Like, And I think that he does a really good job. That's why I didn't like 100% love the movie. It was a little bit like laying it on kind of thick and it was like, yeah, we get it. (laughs) But I think that he does an amazing job. And the moment he starts crying while he's talking, I started tearing up. I was not expecting to be gut punched like that. Yeah, it really does come out of nowhere. They're just like playing a fun little game. And then all of a sudden he's coming out to this group of girls and it's like, oh, damn, where did this come from? Like, yeah, it's really great. Let's go to the rating. So quality of his role, how meaty is it? How much is he in the movie? So not very much in the movie. But I think it's a meaty role. But it's a meaty role, yeah. Especially because not only does he have that really emotional scene, but he also has to play almost two different people. Mm -hmm. You know, he's playing this sort of like really toxic bro at the beginning, and then he's playing like a much more softer and sensitive version of that character yeah and he does it really well because those both those characters could come off as stereotypes Mm -hmm. but he doesn't play it that way no you know it doesn't feel like a cardboard cutout of what a sensitive guy is like it felt genuine yeah especially like his character how he is at the beginning of the movie when he's like the toxic bro Mm -hmm. even though it's nick you you kind of hate him a little bit yeah (laughs) just a little bit that was another thing i was like going into that movie and seeing him his character as that and i was so like dreading the rest of the movie because i was like if i have to sit here and watch nick be a terrible jock bro for like an hour and a half i'm gonna be so upset we would have done it anyway i mean obviously i would have watched it yeah but i was just like oh my god i cannot believe that he's making me watch this and I was pleasantly surprised. I think that I want to give this a pretty high rating. I'm kind of feeling like an eight. Okay. I was going to say seven. Seven? Okay. Fifteen total. Um, how queer is this movie and how queer is his role? I would say 10 out of 10. Yeah, because it should be mentioned that he's not the only queer character in the um, movie. Yeah, I would say 10 out of 10. How baby girl? Extremely extremely i'm gonna take a few points off just because he does play the dude bro at the beginning but that's not his real self yes i know you're right that's not any different from his character in chambers who at the start we just thought was a dick so if we gave him 20 out of 20 for chambers i feel like he deserves 20 out of 20 here what about a 19 just because i feel like convince me katie why did you ever actually like dislike Elliot from Chambers? 
No. Okay, yeah, I genuinely disliked his character when he was introduced. Exactly. And I was, like, dreading having to see him be like that for, like, an hour and a half. Okay, fine. He gets a 19. That one point is being docked because for, like, a hot moment there, I was like, I hate this man. (laughs) Which is a lot of work for Nick to make you hate him. Yeah, I was like... Literally, like, I cannot watch him be like this. I should not have doubted his commitment to baby girlism. How much we subjectively like this media. I liked it a lot for his role in it, but also, like, I have this kind of sentimental connection to the craft because I was a teenager in the 90s. I love the OG movie. And there is a, you know, a really nice callback to the 1996 movie in the craft legacy and you know i appreciated you know that connection to my cultural touchstone so you know i know that it's not great but it made me feel things i think that this is like one of those movies that i would have probably watched if he wasn't in it Mm -hmm. but i also think that i would have been a lot more critical of it if he wasn't in it (laughs) (laughs) To be like completely honest, I do think that a really big reason that I like this movie is because he was in it. I remember it. I haven't watched the 1996 movie in a long time, but I remember it being, well, just generally better, but also scarier and edgier than than this Mm -hmm. movie was. Yeah. I kind of want to give it like a seven. Mm -hmm. I was going to say eight. Yeah. And then objectively, what would we rate it? Uh, Six, maybe for me. Yeah, agree. I was going to do six as well. This is a pretty high one. Ooh, 81, yeah. Only one behind Handsome Devil. That's crazy. Yeah. I think that it's because... It's the queerness and the baby girlness. Yeah, he really ratcheted both of those up for this one. I'm okay with that. You know what? I'm okay with it. Shall we talk about Cinderella? That's his next project. Cinderella was a jukebox musical, but if you don't know what that means, it means that it is a musical where all of the songs in it are songs that exist from like other artists. So it's not like an it's not like original music for the musical. All of the songs in it are just like pop songs basically. It premiered on Prime and also in select theaters on September 3rd, 2021. The filming of it was very delayed due to COVID. They started principal photography in February 2020 and filmed into March 2020 and then obviously had to shut down production. And then they picked it up again in August. And they filmed in London, I believe. It is kind of like a classic. I mean, if you know the Cinderella movie by Disney, then you have a good idea about what this movie is. It's a little bit of a twist, though. Um, it plays with like the Disney take of Cinderella by having Cinderella be more focused on her career aspirations. So she really wants to design and make clothes, like specifically ball gowns. And then it also, I would say, features the prince a lot more, Prince Robert, who is Nick's character. He's a lot more prominent in the storyline and it gets into him like not wanting to like marry just anyone, you know, just because like someone else is like a princess, like he doesn't want to just marry a princess. He wants to marry for love. Yeah. So it's a bit of a critique sort of, of like fairy tale tropes that are yeah. kind of sexist and reductive. It doesn't do it particularly well, but no, it doesn't. There was an attempt. There was an attempt and I'll give them points for the attempt because like, I understand, I think what they were trying to do. 
it was just a little kind of like the craft legacy it's just like a little heavy-handed a little bit maybe other than that like the rest of the beats of the story are the same she goes to the party she's in the dress she loses the shoe he looks for her using the shoe like all of that stuff is pretty much the same how do you feel about this movie serena i have complicated feelings about it yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun movie. It's the kind of movie that you can enjoy and not think too hard about. The music's not bad. And we have some really great actors who are cast in this movie. And I enjoyed those performances. I just don't love Camila. What's her name? Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello, yeah. Is that how you say her name? Yes, Camila Cabello. From where I'm from, which is a Hispanic colony, we pronounce it differently. I mean, that's a familiar surname, but we would say it differently. I didn't love her portrayal of Cinderella. I don't know. Like, she wasn't that interesting a lead. Yeah, it's rough when you're meant to be the main character of a movie and everyone else in the movie is outperforming you. I have to be a hater. I'm really sorry. I really do have to be a hater when it comes to this. She just does not have the acting range or even really like the vocal chops to play a lead role. And she has to sing opposite Idina Menzel. So like the bar is really high. The bar is high. And even like Nick, who I feel like was a relative unknown coming into this movie, does a better job of singing and acting than she does. His musical numbers were really good. Yeah, like he's a good singer and he's got, I would say, a better musical voice than she does. It's that sort of like broad, clear tone that he has that she doesn't. She's got a very like nasally singing voice and I just don't think that that works for musicals so yeah I don't know I I do think it's like really difficult when you're meant to be the lead in a movie and you're not giving a better performance than the people who are meant to be supporting you yeah that's one of my biggest critiques of this movie my my other critique is that like maybe again this is like a bias thing because we are always sort of on the lookout for like queer stories this would have been such a good opportunity for a queer story yes the whole like setup honestly almost seems like they're setting it up for one Mm -hmm. with like prince robert not wanting to marry anybody and he's very queer coded in this movie he's so queer coded he's basically like saying that he's never met a woman that he's been interested in marrying and he has no chemistry with cinderella so like you know it's it's that thing again they do in straight movies where it's just we're just supposed to assume that the male lead and the female lead are attracted to each other for reasons that you don't have to explain or show or anything it's just you know we just take that as given And the thing is, is like, I will say, I think they did have chemistry. They have like friend chemistry. Friend chemistry. Yeah. Like I could 100% see them being best friends. And that's kind of, that would have been an interesting direction to take this story in, which is that instead they just become really good friends and she gets to pursue her career and he gets to explore other options. That to me would have been a more compelling and a more interesting deviation from that original story and it seems like a little bit of a missed opportunity i will say they didn't go all the way it's like oh we're going to be subversive and we're going to like disrupt expectations about what these characters are but they don't do it enough like it's just a little bit and it falls short and it's just not that 
interesting or compelling. There's some definitely pretty like heavy cringe moments in this movie. Some parts that are like a little hard to watch. For me, someone who is very easily secondhand embarrassed. I mean, if we're just speaking about Nick, if we're, that's who we're focusing on, I think that he does a really good job in this movie. He's really funny and cute and he's a good singer. He should have been the main character. You know, if we're going to disrupt the Cinderella story, let's make it a Prince Charming story instead and take it in an entirely different direction. Like I said, I would have been so down for like Prince Robert Cinderella BFFs. Yeah. I think that could have worked really well and worked a lot better with the kind of chemistry that the two leads had, like, had with each other. When they kissed, I felt nothing. I know. It was just, huh. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really. Their dance scene, I think, was, like, well done. They have, like, a big dance with each other. Very cute. Like, well done. Didn't really make me think that they had any sort of, like, romantic feelings for each other at all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a cute movie. I would probably watch it again, honestly. Yeah. The songs are fun. The dance numbers are fun. For sure. Let's go to the ratings, maybe. Let's go to the ratings. Quality of his role. How much is he in the project and how meaty is the role? He has a pretty significant role. He does, and yeah. several major song and dance numbers. Mm -hmm. The Somebody to Love one is actually good. Yeah, I genuinely like that one. Yeah. The mashup in the ballroom, what was it? It was like Seven Nation Army. Seven Nation Army and What a Man. Yeah, that was weird. It was um, so It didn't strange. quite work for me, but like he sold it. I mean, I think his was like the better half. I didn't love like the What a Man. Yeah, yeah. Although to be honest, also I don't really understand how Seven Nation Army fits into that scene. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to think about it too hard, Katie. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I'm like thinking, I mean, that's a song that I know very well as someone who almost exclusively listened to the White Stripes as a young person. It was a weird choice. It was a weird choice. But he does a good job of performing it. So good job, Nick. Quality. I kind of want to say like a seven. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. And then how queer. Like I said, I kind of want to give it some points just because I feel like his character is queer coded in this movie. You know, I always think that, oh, maybe he's queer in this role. And so like I'm biased coming into any kind of Nick media, but I genuinely got vibes at the start. Like, because I know that this is, you know, intended to disrupt our expectations. And I thought, oh, maybe they don't end up together. And it turns out he's queer. Like that is totally a realistic thing that could happen within this story. Uh, it didn't happen, but like it could have. It could have. And it would have been so great if it had like a three. Yeah. Oh, how baby girl. That one's pretty high. I'm picturing him having the discussion with his father when his dad is like talking about that play. Yeah. The King's idiot son. Oh my gosh. That part is so funny. I don't know why that scene just like popped into my head when I was thinking about that. And he's really sweet and protective towards his sister. Yeah. I wish they'd developed that like sibling dynamic a little bit more. Yeah, because that's another thing. Like his sister also had, oh my gosh, I forgot that his sister also has queer vibes. She totally has queer vibes and neurodivergent vibes. Yeah, because she's the one who like, the whole movie is kind of about how like, Prince Robert's dad wants him to step up and start taking more responsibility over like ruling their kingdom, basically. And Prince Robert has no interest in it. But his sister is really, really like politically minded, has like a lot of ideas to like fix the kingdom. But she's like not allowed to because she's a woman. I kind of wish that also more of the story had been focused on that. Mm hmm. 
because there's just like a few scenes where she's just like there being like, well, I have ideas on how to do this. I don't know. And that's another thing. It's like, I, I wish they had gone into that more because I also find that aspect of the story like interesting. Yeah. And I think that that would have, you know, it would have been a nice parallel to like Cinderella's struggle of being wanting to be something that society did not see her as. Yes, they both want jobs. <laughs> they both want yeah. to be able to like do things that they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Anyways, we're we're getting away from the point. How baby girl how, is he? How baby girl he is. I want to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Perfect. How much we subjectively like this media. Mm, this is going to be skewed because genuinely if he was not in this movie i would not have ever watched it i might have watched it i mean you know like fun musical in the background when you're doing something else it it can be entertaining it can it wasn't bad as a musical i just have kind of always had my hate on for camilla cabello okay i don't have strong feelings about her one way or the (laughs) other so that would not have turned me off i'd just be like oh i didn't realize that they'd made a musical cinderella let's just see what this is about and i would have found it fairly entertaining but my enjoyment of it is increased several fold of course because nick is in it yeah so i kind of want to say like i'm maybe around a seven that's kind of what i was thinking too was like seven and then an objective rating, I'd say maybe five. I agree. I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's just very mid. Yes. 16. That feels right. All right. Moving on. The next project is, oof, we have a lot to say about this one. Ooh. Is a Netflix movie called Purple Hearts, which was released in 2022. And it is based on the novel of the same name. Um, which I've not read. Nor will we. (laughs) Maybe the book is better. But anyway, so the story is about an aspiring singer-songwriter named Cassie who is, you know, struggling to make ends meet. She's diabetic and she's struggling to keep her insurance, paying for her meds. And Nick's character is a Marine named Luke who's about to get deployed to Iraq. And they agree to get married in order to receive military benefits because they both have debts to pay. So Luke owes quite a bit of money and Cassie needs to pay her medical bills. And so it's a marriage of convenience, but also, you know, an enemies to lovers kind of thing, because when they first meet in the bar, they have a very unpleasant confrontation about politics, which doesn't entirely make sense, but you're supposed to just accept this premise that it's an enemies to lovers kind of thing and a marriage of convenience, but they fall in love for real. And we did not like this movie, despite having a lot of tropes that we generally would enjoy. Nick's character is not very likable and neither is, well, the female lead is sympathetic, but like her motivations for getting involved and falling in love with Nick's character don't entirely make sense to me. So it's like hard for me to root for her and to root for this relationship. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. So Nick's character, Luke, is basically a Republican, and he's low-key racist and sexist. Yeah. And Cassie, the female character, is a woman of color. Uh, her mom's an illegal immigrant, and they had to struggle her entire life. She has a lot of opinions about 
politics and is very liberal and progressive. And so they clash over, you know, their fundamental values. And they never actually resolve these differences in the movie. It's not like one of them comes to understand the perspective of the other. It's just not addressed at all. So I just, I don't understand how this relationship is supposed to work and why these two characters like each other. Yeah, I think that that's kind of like the biggest issue for me is that like this movie's not like taking a stand. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I can see the person that I am and the values that I hold reflecting in Cassie's character Mm -hmm. and knowing myself and other people who hold the same values I do. We're not going to forget about those values. Mm hmm. Just because we meet a hot man, no matter how hot he is, and he is very hot in this movie. I'm not going to deny that. I don't know. It makes it seem like she has no real like moral standing or like her values aren't like as important as they should be, I would assume to her. It's just like a very stereotype driven view of these characters and their like political leanings and like I said the movie doesn't take a stand so like if there was ever a point where Nick's character Luke was like coming around yeah there's no growth like it doesn't seem like he learns anything it's like so you're in a relationship with this person who has these experiences that you've never experienced or never thought about like how does that not change you Mm -hmm. and so that's not addressed at all like they never talk about it there's no indication that luke has come to a new understanding it's just it's very weird and if anything it almost feels like it goes more towards his political leanings because she's sort of like i would say vaguely anti-military at the beginning Mm -hmm. and by the end, she's sort of like very She's supportive. kind of embraced the military wife yes, identity. exactly. She's very much like taking on the military wife identity. And she like hangs up a military flag next to all of her like... Black Lives Matter and her like pride flag. And it's like, that, yeah. Mm. And I'm like, ooh, one of these things doesn't belong. Like I said, she's like a musician. So she's doing a concert and she like, you know, does like a shout out to all of like the Marines that are serving across sees and like all this stuff and like it does seem like she comes to his side more than he comes to her side and before that she had like a scene where she was very upset and talking about the oppression and like american imperialism and it was like a very angry critique and it's like where did all that go did you just throw it away because you hooked up with a hot marine this is like a hard one to reconcile because obviously we like nick a lot and i know that he doesn't hold the same political values that Luke does. I like to think that he took this role because he thought that it would be a challenge Mm -hmm. of playing someone who is so different from who he is as a person. It's a little upsetting because I do feel like the politics of it are so carelessly handled. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there was more to it and that somehow the movie was edited down and it came out, you know, without actually making a stand or coming to any kind of conclusions as regards politics. Like maybe when he signed on, there was more substance there that just got 
left on the cutting room floor. That a lot of it was cut out because they maybe they chose to focus on the romance, which would probably be you know the most marketable thing about it. So I don't know. Knowing that this was sort of like an important project to him, and I know he's spoken about it before, and saying that it was like a really like weird and like rough time in his life. We were still kind of like in COVID and his grandmother also passed away like right before he started filming this. So he was kind of like in a really like emotional state. And I think that because of that, this movie is tied to a lot of emotions for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, the role is challenging for him because his character has to deal with being injured in battle and then mm-hmm. going through this journey of recovery. And, you know, he's seriously injured and is in a wheelchair. And so, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of dramatic performance which I can see the appeal of and I think another big thing that his character goes through is like at the beginning of the movie he's meant to be seen as a little like immature and like not really like grown into Mm -hmm. himself as a quote-unquote like man I believe that his character's like mom passed away and since then like he had started like taking drugs and stuff like that and his dad thought that he was kind of like you know good for nothing or whatever like that kind of vibe yeah so he's trying to put his life back together and redeem himself and prove himself to his father and that's kind of why he had like joined the military and then the whole like scheme of him marrying cassie so he'll get extra money and she'll get insurance part of his story is to kind of come clean at the end about that and like accept the consequences of their actions Mm -hmm. and sort of like come into himself a little bit as like maturing and not like running away from his problems I think is the kind of character arc that he goes through. Though he does go through a lot of character development in that regard it's just weird that the movie at the start you know focuses so much on their political differences and then does not address it in any way there we have to talk about this scene truly one of the most insane moments where he tells her to sit down not just that part that part's bad but like one of his i don't know anything about the military one of his like fellow marines i guess is like spouting off a bunch of stuff and says oh oh, oh. says racist things basically And Cassie starts arguing back with him. And that's when Luke's character tells her to, Luke's character, oh my God, Nick's character, Luke, tells her, yeah, to like sit down. And she gets mad and storms out. I believe this is how it happens. Yeah. yeah. And like his fellow Marines tell him to like control his woman or something. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yes. And then they go and like have a conversation about it on the patio of this like restaurant that they're in. And yeah, like they have a conversation about it. And he's basically just like making excuses for him. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is just like so weird. I'm like, that would have been like a really good moment to show his humanity mm-hmm. and for him to be like, no, you're right. He shouldn't be talking like that. But instead, he's literally just like, he's scared. We're all scared, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is so not the point. Or even if he felt that way in that scene, when he comes back from deployment, you would have thought that maybe things had changed or like he you know, develop a different perspective, but he doesn't. There's like no growth in that regard. No, all that happens when he comes back is that he's injured, like pretty seriously injured. There was like an explosion, I think. Mm -hmm. And so he's injured, he's in the wheelchair and basically like Cassie has to help rehabilitate him. 
which again is just like it's just like such a reinforcement of this whole like gender role expectation of her literally like nursing him back to health yeah and i mean he tells her that this is the expectation of you like we have to keep up appearances and so you have to be the dutiful wife yeah you have to like be my caretaker i guess there's like a little bit of a reverse of that too because he does kind of take care of her when she has i i don't exactly know what it is like she goes into like her insulin drops yeah her insulin drops yes that's what i'm trying to say and so he has to like help her with that and that also kind of like brings them closer because i don't know (laughs) he's helping her as much as she's helping him even though i don't really think that that's true at all yeah i don't think that those two things are comparable in an equal relationship where each person is putting in as much as the other, I don't think that that is equal. It's another one of those things where I can kind of see what they wanted to do. And I don't think they did a good job of it. And I think that it's dangerous because it deals with really, really sensitive subject matter, especially in the political climate we're in today. I personally and my personal and political beliefs are not, oh, well, each side like has a point and if we could just understand each other i don't need or want to understand a person who thinks that i don't deserve to be alive (laughs) or in the case of being bisexual lots of people think that bisexuality doesn't exist yeah and being someone who doesn't really buy into the whole like gender binary literally this whole movie is about the gender binary (laughs) I just find that that's like a really weak political stance or a really weak political um, aspect to be portraying in a movie. And I think that it's like really harmful to be so like riding the fence about in a movie. Yeah. And they didn't really address any of the critiques of like the military industrial complex. And so just leaving it there feels like it's almost a defense or like a justification. Yeah. And so that does not sit well with me at all. It even sort of like makes Cassie's political beliefs seem ridiculous. You know what I mean? I actually don't know what you mean. Can you elaborate? Yeah, it's like she has like really strong political beliefs and he sort of like teases her about it. I guess I kind of already said this. They're not really making it explicit that her political beliefs are valid and accurate. It's kind of brushing it off in that whole like, oh, social justice warrior. It's almost played off. It's like it's a personality quirk. Yes. That like he has to just like get through. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just got to deal with her being like a little SJW. And it's like, no, she's someone who has diabetes and can't afford insulin, has a mom who has had to come to this country. And has been denied rights despite being there for 10 years and paying taxes and being treated like a second-class citizen. Yeah, exactly. My biggest issue is just like how muddy it all is. And you know what? I kind of laughed about it, but you might be right. Maybe the book is better because the chances of a book being able to get into these issues a lot more specifically and dealing with them in a lot more detail and with a lot more like nuance, maybe the book is better. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And I might never know because I don't know if I'll ever read it. I'm done feeling bummed about this movie. Let's, uh... It was very disappointing. Yeah. 
I also remember being on TikTok and other like fandom spaces at the time when this movie came out. And this is the only movie that a lot of people had seen of Nicholas Galatzin anticipating red, white and royal blue. And people were like, oh, no, like, how is this going to work? The concerns were valid if this is all that you have seen of his work. But that's just the range of Nick. He can do that. <laughs> I will say, like, as much as I hate this movie, it's like low key impressive. Yeah, you go from being like a hardcore Republican to like the gay prince of England. That's pretty amazing. And it really did like reinforce in me how much me liking him is due to the fact of him very much like not being that like toxic masculine person. Because like I said, like ob objectively, obviously he's very attractive in this movie. He, I think, must have done like a lot of working out. Like he did like his marine training. He looks fit as hell. <laughs> he looks really good. But so much of my like attraction and like interest in him as like an actor is really very much dependent on him not being the way that he is in Purple Hearts. <laughs> Let's just say that. He can pull it off. I just don't want to have to watch him do it. Exactly. And I, and I love that for him. And like I said, it, it's kind of leading us into this first question, which is like the quality of his role. Like how much is he in it and how meaty is it? I mean, if we're being objective in these ratings, like he does a good job in this movie. He has a lot of emotional scenes he does go through an arc even if it's not really the arc that i want for him in this movie yeah and he does a good job of it i'd say 10 or 9 i'm okay with the 9 yeah i mean this the focus was slightly more on cassie than it was on him but yeah how queer is this movie not at all <laughs> it's a big this is the most zero. heterosexual movie he mm -hmm. might have done um how baby girl zero or like very low i'll give him a one there was a transformation there was and there's just like this one scene where she's like taking care of him when he's in the bath and i'm like this is kind of baby girl how much we subjectively like this media with him being in it two <laughs> i was thinking the same we'll give him yeah we'll give him the four out of 20 uh what would we rate this movie i i mean i would have watched it just because of how it was marketed and I would go into it expecting that there was some kind of resolution around the political differences. So I would, you know, be interested and then come away disappointed. Four? No, I'm, I'm going to go three. If we're giving it a three, do we want to bump up the other rating? Because it's better because he's in it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, so I would rate this a two. And then I would give it a three because it's slightly better because he's in it. This is a rough one. I was expecting this though with these like categories. I was like, Purple Hearts is not going to pull through this very well. 30. That is actually, well, it's higher than Watcher in the Woods. And it's higher than Chambers. Wait, no, it's not. It's not higher than Chambers. Oh, sorry, Chambers. Share. It's higher oh, than yeah. Share. It's higher than Share. Obviously, not higher than Chambers. We really love that. <laughs> That'd be crazy if it was higher than Chambers. But like he was barely in share, considering the amount of screen time he had in share. What's really pulling him through this project is just that like he does a good job and he's in it a lot and he does a lot of really good acting in it. That's like what saves this for me is that 
I think he's a good actor and he's in it a lot and he does a good job. <laughs> and everything else is a wash. I'm so sorry, Nick. Why do I feel like I'm like being mean to him? I'm like, I'm so like freaking. You are literally his number one fan at this point. I'm a stan. I can't help it. I'm just like, I'm so sorry, Nick. I need you to know that I still love you and I understand why you might have wanted to do a movie like this. I just wish it was better. I want better for you. His next project was Red, White, and Royal Blue. So this premiered on Prime on August 11th, 2023. This is his fourth queer role. It was kind of like a little bit of a runaway hit. I'm not sure if anyone making this movie realized how popular it was going to be. It's one of the most streamed movies now on Prime. And also the promotion of this movie was affected by the SAG-AFTRA strike. So none of the um, actors or anything could promote it. And despite that, it was a massive hit. Yes. So if you don't already know, Red, White, and Royal Blue is based on a novel by the same name by Casey McQuiston. It follows the story of Alex Claremont Diaz, who is the son of the President of the United States, and his relationship with Henry, who is one of the princes of England. When we first meet the characters, they both dislike each other due to a misunderstanding from their first meeting, and they're forced into proximity in order to fix a PR nightmare that they caused at Henry's brother's wedding. And due to this, they slowly kind of become friends and then become more. And it's basically like a love story involving politics and international relations. That's like my short description of what that movie and novel are kind of about. We are not going to talk about this one that much because we already recorded a full two episodes about this movie. And if you really want our full opinions about it, you can go and listen to those episodes where we go into it in detail. So I think we're just going to kind of quickly touch on Nick's role in the movie and his performance in it, which I definitely think is his best one. I mean, out of all these of his we've watched, there's a lot of them where I think he does a really good job. This is the best one. Yeah, me too. I think this is my favorite role of his thus far. And I'm a big fan of the source material. And so I was worried about the casting. So when the casting announcement came out, I hadn't seen any of his work. And so I thought, oh no, I mean, can he pull this off? And this is such a beloved story. The book is an international bestseller and there's a massive fan base for it. And there was a lot of anticipation over the casting and I hadn't seen anything that he'd been in. So I was worried that he would be able to fulfill all the expectations and he just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, definitely. I'm so sorry I ever doubted you, Nick. <laughs> I I was gonna say I never doubted you. I actually don't know if that's true. Maybe I did a little bit when You absolutely did. Okay. We have evidence on the Discord server. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Before you were a stan. Because of Purple Hearts. Okay, once again, I'm trying so hard not to just like be a complete hater about that project. But it was a little disconcerting to think about someone who had just filmed a movie like that going on and making a movie like this. Because I feel like they're in like completely different stratospheres from each other. And so I was like, oh boy, what is this going to 
like what is this gonna be like you know but no he really knocked it out of the park we already kind of mentioned his like his face acting and just like everything like I feel like his performance is so nuanced like there's so much happening in his expressions and his actions that aren't like in the lines like it's just his performance that makes me like feel different like emotions or you can see the different emotions that are going on for his character and I don't know it's just um it's a really great performance and there's so much content from the book that doesn't make it into the movie so Nick has to do a lot of heavy lifting communicating all these different emotions in you know scenes that don't really have the time for him to explicitly have a conversation about it or to give a lot of context. So, you know, he's able to communicate things about Henry's character without too much detail through his acting and his very nuanced interactions with with Alex. Let's go to the rating. Yeah, let's get into the rating system. First category, the quality of his role. How much is he in the project and how meaty is his role? I mean, 10? 10, yeah. yeah. How queer is this movie? How queer is this role? It is absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think that's a 10. It's a, what, what does Alex say? Oh no, Nora say in the movie. More like the first 50 rows of a Gaga concert. Yeah. I mean, I really can't see it being more queer than it is. So that's a full mark for me. And because it's not just about the two leads. There are also other queer characters in the story. That's very true. How baby girl. 10 out of 10. Is this going to get 10 out of 10s across the board? Maybe. Mm, we'll see. I think for this one, like how much we subjectively like the media, I think that this will be a 10 for me too, because taking into consideration him being in the movie and how much we like him in the movie, I don't know. It's so hard for me to judge if I would like this movie as much if someone else was playing this role, because this movie brought him to me. It's really hard to say if... I would even like this as much if he wasn't in it. Our inability to be objective about this movie, I think, is an automatic 10 in this category. And now, if he wasn't in it, would we like it as much? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's an actor out there who would have done a good job. It's hard to imagine now because he's just like, in my imagination, he's just Henry. When I reread the book, I see his face. I hear his voice. Yeah, it's so funny because I do feel like there are a lot of roles where I'm like, I really feel like someone else could have like played this part and done like as good of a job. But when I think about that role, I just like literally can't think of anyone else. I would have been hyped for this movie regardless, right? Because I love the book and I love a good rom-com. I love a gay rom-com. So, you know, I would have been here for it. I don't know how good it would have been if they'd cast someone else. And if I would have liked it as much or like latched onto it in the way that I have. I kind of want to give it a nine out of 10. I mean, I have a lot of critiques of the movie. There are things that didn't work for me or I felt like I kind of understand why they made those changes or they did it in a certain way, but I don't particularly love it. So I'd give it an eight. The only reason I, I think I'm still rating it high is because like now... As everything has played out, I can't picture anyone else in that role. But I'm also like, okay, but what if it had gone to someone else and I did also just like latch myself onto this person? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. So I'm going to I'm gonna leave mine at a nine and you're doing eight. So that's 17. That's so really high. That's really high. We really love this movie. We have watched it an ungodly amount of times. Yeah, that's a 97. 
We're not even pretending to try to be objective here. No, this is our rating system. We don't have to be objective. It scientifically captures the way that I feel about it. So that's all you need to know. Well, and like, it definitely captures how I feel about him in this movie. Mm -hmm. Which is the whole point of this episode. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's definitely a 97 out of 100 is 100% how I feel about him in this movie. So we only have one project left to discuss. Okay. And so the last project for this episode is the movie Bottoms, which came out in 2023, came out at the end of August, and it was limited release in theaters in certain countries. I couldn't get it where I am, and that was very frustrating for me. And then eventually it was released on streaming. And it can be seen on Amazon Prime, I believe. So Bottoms is a teen sex comedy about a lesbian fight club about um, two girls who come up with this plan to hook up with cheerleaders. And it's from the producers of Pitch Perfect and Cocaine Bear. And it is unhinged as it sounds. If you can imagine what a movie made by the people behind Pitch Perfect and Cocaine Bear are, you're probably pretty close to what this movie is. It's a bunch of lesbians being gay and doing crime. And there is, you know, as the movie progresses, it becomes progressively more unhinged. There is physical violence and vandalism and destruction of property and improvised explosive devices and straight up murder, I think. Was that what happened at the end of the movie? Yeah, just straight up murder. <laughs> straight up murder. Yeah. And Nick plays Jeff, who is the high school quarterback and there is like this big football culture and everybody is fixated on this championship that's going to be happening with a rival school. So he's a stereotypical jock who is the boyfriend of the head cheerleader who is um, beautiful and the most popular girl in school and one of the girls that the lesbian fight club starters wants to hook up with. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe the plot of this movie beyond that. I feel like you kind of just need to like watch it to yeah. figure out what it's about. So the lesbians save the football team by murdering the rival football team. Jeff is a dick in this movie, but they save him from the plot of the rival team to kill him with pineapple juice. Because mm -hmm. he's allergic to pineapples. It's it's the kind of thing that you have to watch. It is so crazy. I I saw it twice in theaters. And like I went into it that first time expecting it to be really crazy. It exceeded that expectation by a lot. And like I think it works really well because they really commit to like the weirdness yeah, they just totally lean into it. Yeah, it's like even Aoa Debris, who plays one of the characters, is sort of like the straight man role a little bit. But even she's like pretty unhinged. Yeah. There really isn't a straight man character in this movie. Everyone I know who watched this movie fell in love with Ruby Cruz, who plays Hazel. Like, it's so hot. Yeah, everyone loves Hazel in this movie. She's amazing. I don't know. I genuinely love everything about this movie. It's just so great to celebrate queer people just kind of embracing their weirdest selves and letting that play out. Like it's there's something so liberating about it. We've talked a lot about like queer joy. This is unhinged queerness. Basically, it's like a different type of like queer joy that I think is something that I didn't really know I needed. Yeah, me too. I don't know, there's something cathartic 
about it. Like I didn't know that I needed to release these feelings through this movie, but they were there. And like the violence and everything was just so like satisfying. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's not. But in this movie, I was just so excited and like into it. And it's like, wow, this is like what straight men feel like when they watch like action movies. <laughs> yes. That must be what they feel like because I was watching it and I was like, yeah, I was like so into it. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about Nick in this movie. He's, um, it's like so hard to explain his part in this movie. It's hard to explain it and not feel like biased because like technically his character is a jerk in this movie. Mm -hmm. But he's like a kind of lovable jerk or I don't know, maybe he's just lovable because he's Nick and, and we love him. You know what? That could be part of it. But I also think that he is sort of supposed to be lovable. He's like genuinely like pretty stupid also in the movie. He's not like smart enough to be really like malicious. And like he is cheating on his cheerleader girlfriend with someone's mom yeah i mean obviously he's not a good guy and he's a bit like controlling and yeah. sexist towards his girlfriend he kind of like em emotionally like gaslights her a little bit or like manipulates yeah. her yeah all of these are not good things and i don't want people to get the wrong idea about what his role is like in this movie because he's genuinely like okay the first time i saw this movie in theaters he got laughs like every single time he was on screen the crowd I was in for that first screening really really liked him because he's just like so ridiculous and like over the top and I think he's supposed to be like a parody of that trope right like the hyper masculine violent aggressive sexual super athlete yeah but then yeah there's like that aspect to him and then there's also just like the other side of him that's just like so dumb that it almost seems like he's harmless <laughs> yeah because like he's just like so silly this is like another role of his where i'm kind of like i don't know how this role would have worked if it was played by someone else like i do feel like possibly someone else could have played it but it's a very like particular kind of role i feel like you have to be like a particular kind of person to like pull it off mm -hmm. and i think that someone who actually is like pretty hyper masculine which i don't really think he is someone who was like hyper masculine like could not have pulled this off Yes, because then I think it would have come off as like straight up offensive. Yeah. Versus with him, it's a little bit charming. Not that we think that misogyny or violence should be charming, but you know, like for comedic purposes in this movie, and you're not really supposed to take anything too seriously, right? So it's kind of a balance that he had to do where he's a jerk, but also he's kind of lovable and funny in some ways. And I feel like there's a lot of things about that character that would have been deeply unfunny if an actor was just playing like a straight up jerk mm -hmm. yeah you get the impression that it's sort of like he's in on the joke and he's not just like playing it very straight yeah like he's not playing it straight he's playing it over the top he's playing it like a little bit silly yeah like it's a parody of himself in a way like he's kind of making fun of that character i feel like he probably like knew guys that were like jeff and so he knew how to kind of make fun of that a little bit mm -hmm. or like subvert the trope a little bit exactly yeah i love this movie i think everyone should watch it it's amazing if you haven't already seen it go watch it go see it on prime i feel like if you're a straight person you're not going to appreciate it as much <laughs> maybe not yeah i think that this is a very particular thing where it's made for queer audiences and if you don't get it you don't get it it's not made for you i haven't tried showing any of my straight friends 
maybe I will and we'll see how they react to it. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know any straight people who were like anticipating this movie. Like my social media was all like queer people who were super hyped about it. That's really true because I was talking about going to see this movie and my friend who is straight was like, what is this movie? Like, how did you even hear about it? And I was like, it was my entire TikTok for you page. And she was like, well, I didn't see any videos about it. And I was like, you're straight. <laughs> Obviously you didn't. I don't know, maybe it was a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because I got a lot of videos about it, but my For You page is also skewed towards like Nick Gallatin content. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if I just got that because of him or because of like the queer thing. Like, I don't really know. No, I think it's it's probably the queer thing because I got a lot of it on Twitter and I follow a lot of queer activists and I don't really use my, my Twitter for fandom things. Right. And so I just have a lot of mutuals who just happen to be queer and are working in different um, social issues and they were hyped for this movie and so I was seeing it there too. Okay well should we move into the rating system? So the quality of his role, how much is he in the project and how meaty is his role? Not really. He's not in it a lot. I would say high quality, not a lot of it. Low quantity. Maybe a seven. Yeah seven sure. How queer is this movie slash how queer is his role? Well, I mean, the movie gets 10 out of 10, I think. Yeah. His role is, I mean, he's straight in the movie. They're not really explicit about that. And like from the promos and like some of the stills that we got in anticipation for this movie, I thought like, is he queer in this movie? Is there something going on with him and that other football player? That's what I thought too. And I do still feel like his role is like a little bit queer coded. Mm -hmm. Again, that could just be him i yeah i don't know i feel like i want to give this like maybe an eight or a nine just because the movie really is but his character isn't really yeah i would give it a nine maybe yeah how baby girl is he in this role i mean if we're being real not at all but he is hmm. but he kind of is though it feels like it's a circle you know like you lean so hard into masculinity you come all the way around yeah to baby girl I feel like he is a little bit. There's just like a few scenes. Like I'm specifically thinking of the one where he's like lip syncing to Total Eclipse of the Heart in yes. his room. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like the whole point of that role was really as a kind of a critique or like it's meant to be subversive. It's trying to say something about hyper masculinity. So a four. I was going to say five, which I think is generous, but I also just get like the vibe. So yeah, let's give him. A nine total. Yeah. How much we subjectively like this media? I want to give this a 10. I'm giving it a 10. And then objectively, if he wasn't in it, I think I would still really like this movie a yes, lot. Yes, me too. I'd still say 10. Yeah, I agree. Because like, I do love his role in it. But I really think that even if he wasn't in it and I had heard about this movie, I would have wanted to go see it. Yeah. And all the other performances are really great. So that's an 81, which is the same as the craft legacy. Huh. So let's go through this from the worst rating up to the best. So the worst one is Watcher in the Woods. I mean, yeah, it makes sense because I think it was my least favorite, like, storyline wise. Mm -hmm. And also like the least challenging role, he wasn't given much to do. No, and that's not his fault. You can only do so much. And then the next one is Cher. Yeah, interesting premise. Yeah, but not executed in the best possible way. And then the next one is Purple Hearts. Yeah, 
I think that he performed really well in that one, but it just like just as a movie overall was not yes. good. Ignoring his performance and looking at everything else, I don't like anything else about that movie. Beyond that, I like I honestly just don't think like I'm not the target audience for that movie. And then the next one would be Legends, which I'm really surprised has such a high rating. <laughs> How did how did that get such a high rating? It has a lot of thirst points. That's the only reason that it is at a 42, because I couldn't tell you anything about that show other than we see him half naked. And then the next one is The Changeover, which I'm also surprised is so high. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. It was just very mid as a movie. And also his character is not given that much to do. It's not terribly interesting, but he is pretty in it. And then... The next one after that is High Strung, which also makes sense. It's like not my favorite story wise. He does a good job, but it's again kind of mid. Yeah, it's entertaining enough for something in the background. And then after that is um, Cinderella. Yeah, which also something that is uh, story wise, not terribly compelling, but some of the performances are fun. Honestly, kind of surprised it got that high. And then our next one is The Beat Beneath My Feet, which feels right. It's kind of another one where I'm like, he does a really good job and I actually don't mind the story. Like it's not the best, but it's not like amazing either. Honestly, though, I would say like since it was his very first like filmed project, it's actually a really good first film project. I have gone through a lot of actors filmographies and usually watching their like first ever project is like the worst thing I've ever seen. So I will say that like having that movie as your first ever recorded movie is actually really good. And he was so young when he did it. Yes, he was so young. And then the next one is Chambers. Which we genuinely liked. Which we genuinely like. And I'm kind of surprised it's not higher, but I think it's because he isn't very queer in that movie. Other than that, yeah, really enjoyed that show. Wish there was another season. And then after that, we have tied in third place The Craft Legacy and Bottoms, both at 81%. Both very queer movies. Both very queer movies. Both that don't have him very much in it, but he is uh, very important. I was going to say kind of like a standout roles in both, even though he's not in it a lot. He definitely like has an intense impact in both movies. Yeah. So that's kind of funny. That feels right. Yeah. And then in second place, Handsome Devil. That doesn't surprise me. Really good movie. Yeah, that's at 82%. And then number one, I feel like we knew, I I mean, I knew that this was going to be yeah. number one, but obviously red, white, and royal blue. We only knock three points off for the veneer of objectivity, but we're all in. We're all in. He's got two projects coming out. The Idea of You, which is a kind of like a rom-com, not really, more of like a romantic drama, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite Anne Hathaway. Yeah, which is going to be so good. I'm really excited about that. Oh, wait, I feel like we need to note, well, this movie is based on a book, and the rumor is that that book is based on a Harry Styles fanfic. Oh, yeah. Which comes all the way back around to Katie's Everything Goes Back to One Direction. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to plague me until I die. And then his other project, which is the one that I'm kind of more excited about, because it's like, I think it's a 10, I don't know how many episodes, but it's like a mini series called Mary and George, where he plays George Villiers. He was a favorite of King James. And I don't know, it's a really interesting story. 
I'm kind of in the middle of reading the book that they used as like the reference for the miniseries. And he basically like kind of rose to power just because he was really attractive and his mom put him into a bunch of training. Like he went to France and like learned a bunch of stuff about like art and like how to be like a gentleman and stuff like that. And he rose out of nothing. Like his family was kind of they were nobodies and he rose up really quickly and gained a lot of power by seducing people both men and women yes by seducing both men and women and the mary in the title it refers to his mother who is played by julianne moore yeah so that's another really great project with a amazing yeah nick just racking up co-stars who have academy awards i know right So yeah, I'm really, really excited for Mary and George. And when those come out, we'll almost definitely be talking about them in some way. I think that sometimes I try to analyze why I become so like invested in certain celebrities, like actors, I guess. And this is kind of like a weird one for me because I don't really understand why I'm like so obsessed with him. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I try to analyze myself about it frequently. And I just think that he's like, I think he's a good actor. That's like a, mm-hmm. that's like a pretty big part of it. But he also just seems like a very silly man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not super active on social media anymore, but I feel like he used to be. And so there's some kind of like treasures that you can find online that people have saved. I find that like the kind of current culture is that like people are really afraid of like being cringy Mm -hmm. and so you kind of like lose a little bit of personality when you're so worried about coming across as cringy and sometimes people just like are scared to express personality traits because oh no what if I'm like kind of cringy or what if someone thinks that I'm cringy and and I feel like he is a little bit cringy but I love that about him because to me it just like makes him feel like a real person and not just like you know yeah it feels really genuine like this is just who I am and these are different parts of my personality Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm silly and goofy and I'm just gonna put it out there and that's yeah. yeah that's really admirable and and endearing it is and we're really excited and i feel like purple hearts notwithstanding i feel like he picks like good and interesting projects like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of his movies so far or coming up where i've been like oh no i really like don't want to watch that pretty much everything he's he does is something that like sounds interesting to me whether or not they pull it off to the level that you wish that they would I still think that all of his things are like interesting sounding. And I think that he's a really genuine queer and feminist ally. Like, you know, it it seems like that's something that's really part of his deeply held values. And he picks projects that allow him to express ideas in support of women and queer people. And I just really like that about him. Yes, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I'm just really excited for him to film more projects and just to like keep on being his like weird self. That's all I have to yeah, say. It's interesting because I think I associate him so much with Henry, uh, his role in Red, White and Royal Blue. But he's actually, I mean, his actual personality is so different mm-hmm. from Henry because Henry's a little bit straight laced and kind of serious. And Nick is just like really goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that he's such a good actor because he's actually playing a character who is very different from himself and yet like completely embodies that character yeah and he's done it a few times like 
I mean, even a character like Luke in Purple Hearts, I don't think that that character is in any way like even remotely similar to what he's like as a person. Obviously, I'm saying that as someone who doesn't actually know what he's like as a person because I don't know him. But like, you know, like you can get a vibe from like interviews he's done or even like comparing that character to like anything that he has put on of himself on like social media it's just like so different from what he seems to be like as a person it does kind of make his acting a little more impressive when you can see that this is like someone who's so different from what he's actually like and yeah i agree i do think that he's not really like henry and i think i've even seen the director of that movie kind of talk about that and be like no he's like really really different yeah i just think he's really neat i'm that marge meme holding a potato <laughs> but it's but it's nick galatine and i'm saying i just think he's neat <laughs> So that was our second episode about Nicholas Galatine because we couldn't fit everything we had to say about him into just one episode unless it was going to be like three hours, which we don't want to do. This is already us exercising restraint. Exactly. And since we actually recorded that first episode a while ago, and as we record this, it will be tomorrow that the official trailer drops for Nick's new miniseries coming out, Mary and George. I believe I'm going to be posting this the same day that that is going to be coming out. So I think the official release date for that is March 8th, I think is when that show starts premiering. As well as his other movie project coming up is going to be premiering, I believe I saw May 2nd as the date that it was going to be available to all of us. But it's also going to be closing out the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas on March 16th. So March is going to be a big month for us Nicholas Galatine fans. I'm honestly thinking about booking the whole month off work so that I can have my... all of my time available just to be on tumblr like obsessively refreshing for new content to consume i mean that is kind of leading us into the next part of our outros that we usually talk about which is what we're hyper fixating on right now which is if it's not obvious i'm fully i don't know i wasn't gonna say back on i don't think i ever really left no you didn't well i didn't either being obsessed with nicholas and taylor but i'm like fully in it right now I don't know. I'm so excited for Nick's projects that are coming up. And Taylor just did a screening of Red, White, and Royal Blue because it's nominated for a couple of awards. It has been nominated for a Producers Guild Award, I believe, as well as a GLAAD Award, which is like gay and lesbian. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's like a media award for like LGBTQ media, which is really exciting. And I hope it wins some awards. There's been a lot of Fashion Week content. Gosh, so much Fashion Week content. A little bit from Nicholas, but mostly from Taylor, which I love seeing because he always kills it. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm really just like tunnel vision on Nicholas. 
Nicholas and Taylor. So Serena, why don't you go? You have a much more interesting answer to this question than me. I am hyper fixating right now on Dark Rise and Dark Air. So these are two out of three books in a young adult fantasy series by C.S. Picot. So C.S. Picot wrote uh, the Captive Prince trilogy, which is a really well-known series. It's been around, I don't know, 10 years now. And it's probably one of my favorite series of all time. And it's set in like an anachronistic fantasy world in which one of the main characters is from a kingdom that's kind of inspired by ancient Greece. And the other one is from like a kind of French Mediterranean kingdom. Anyway, so that series is full of political intrigue and it's really tight and cleverly plotted with a really delicious angsty romance at the center. And so I love this series, very obsessed with it. And so I was really excited when a new trilogy by this author came out. And so I just tore into it like over a weekend, just utterly consumed both books. And now I have regrets because I have severe book hangover. Dark Rise is the new trilogy. Two out of three books have come out. And this one is set in like an early 1800s England. Um, but the story actually goes back millennia to an ancient magical civilization before recorded human history. And it features a set of characters in their teens who become involved in a plot trying to stop a powerful family from bringing back the Dark King who plunged the world into darkness like eons ago. And so some of the characters are descended from mythic figures from that previous magical world, and some of them are reincarnations. And so the story is about trying to stop evil forces from rising again in the present world while uncovering mysteries from the past and, you know, these various characters' personal connections to it. When I recommend um, Captive Prince to people, I refer to it as um, Gay of Thrones. And <laughs> if if I were to try to describe the series in a similar way, I I'd say it's like kind of like gay Lord of the Rings. Like if Morgoth were gay and Sauron were his lover, which is over way oversimplifying this plot. There's a lot going on, but I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling it because there's so many like slow unravelings as you go through, you know, the, these two books. But like the plot twist at the end of book one had me shoot bolt upright in bed and yell fuck at like 4 a.m. like startling my spouse awake. And Something really devastating happens at the end of book two, and I can't stop thinking about it. I just don't know how to move on with my life. I, I may just have to lay on the floor until book three comes out. If you want to check this out, be forewarned that there's no announcement yet on when we're getting the final installment. So prepare for a very intense cliffhanger and prepare for it to take over your life. That is why I'm not reading it yet, because I'm like, I honestly don't know if I could handle that. I really do want to read that series. I was sort of a a resistant person to reading Captive Prince. And I will say the first book of that series still I don't like very much. Um, I enjoyed the second and third book immensely. And the first one I mm -hmm. felt like was something I just had to get through to get to the second and third book. Yeah, I think there's a lot of setup. Yeah, there's a lot of setup. And I, I don't know, I just didn't really enjoy it. And I was like, Oh, boy, I don't know if I'm gonna even want to continue reading this. But then the end of the first book kind of propels you into the second book. And then like, when you start the second book, you're like fully into it. So but yeah, I would like to read that series. But I think I'm gonna have to wait. I think I will wait until we at least know when the third one is gonna come out. Because then it feels better at least having like a date <laughs> to work towards yeah. instead of like this where you're just like who knows who knows when it's going to come out we have no idea yeah it might be a year at least or more so I don't know because the second book just came out like late last year and by last year I mean like a couple of months ago so it's yeah. going to be a while 
It's going to be a long time. Yeah, and I can't pick up anything else because it's like nothing is hitting in the same way. So I'm kind of just like in this limbo where I am obsessing over this book and I can't stop thinking about it. And I can't consume anything else because there's no space in my brain for anything else. I was going to say it's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's so enjoyable to consume content that you're that obsessed with. But then I've done that before too, where I'm like, I would like to read something else or like watch a different movie like me post red white and royal blue i'd love to watch something else but literally every time i sit down to watch a movie or read a book that's like the only thing i can think of is the thing that i'm hyper fixating on so you know it it's, it can be fun because i like getting that into something but also at the same time i'm like wow sure wish i could consume other content right now moving along we wanted to acknowledge our comments so once again we have gotten some amazing kind of commentary style if, if you look at our youtube videos and see like the wall of text in the comment section that's from our friend katie she's great and she always leaves us amazing long comments on our youtube videos and I read them all. I know Serena reads them all. So we really appreciate them. But we also got a comment on our um, second episode of uh, the Red, White, and Royal Blue series we did from someone named Mary Crum. And she was just like agreeing with us about most of what we said about the movie. And she had a question about what we thought about the two deleted scenes. That was the uh, Cornetto scene and the fireside chat scene. And she wants to know if we think they should have been cut from the movie and like what in general do we think about them? So I have opinions, which might not be popular opinions, which is that I love both of those scenes so much, like watching them separately. I'm like, oh, these are so good. I love them. And it's kind of like great to get those scenes. I can't imagine them being in the movie i kind of understand why they were cut because i am thinking about where they would belong in the movie and how i kind of think it would mess with the pacing yeah the pacing and like the flow of their relationship specifically with like the cornetto scene one because where the cornetto scene would have been would have been after alex arrives to kensington palace and then before like the interview scene i don't know it almost feels like it wouldn't quite go to the next scene properly because it seems like they reach a little bit of like an agreement at the end of the cornetto scene and then they go back to being really like completely at odds with each other yeah completely at odds and it kind of feels like it wouldn't blow very well and then the fireside chat one also i think kind of it would be very confusing because it seems like at the end henry is kind of admitting that he's in love with alex and if after that if it was like the doc scene and he just like ditches him and doesn't say anything it would be very like confusing uh, like yeah. i'm just not really sure where that would fit in so love the scenes kind of understand why they were cut just not really sure if they fit in with the flow of the movie as much as i would watch a three hour four hour cut of this movie where they just acted out every little scene from the book i don't know if on the whole, that would make for a very good movie. I would be riveted by it. I would enjoy every single second of it. But like as a body of work trying to tell a specific story, I don't know if it would serve the story that they aim to tell in this movie. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn about it. Like I think that it was a good decision to be very strategic about the scenes that they left in. But like 
obviously would have loved to see everything else that they left out. Yeah, I kind of like, I feel the same because I would watch like a four hour cut of this movie for sure. But it's always that thing of them trying to, you know, strike a balance between pleasing the people who are big fans like we are. And then the people who are casual and just want to come watch like a normal length movie and not, yeah, you know, sit through the three or four hour cut of Red, White and World Blue. But yeah, so that's how we feel about the deleted scenes. And we want to thank you for your comment. Um, moving along, we also got a couple comments on our Instagram. We have one comment from someone named Tata Herlinen. Sorry if I butchered that. They just wanted to let us know that Nick was apparently 20 when he filmed Handsome Devil. I believe we were trying to figure that out in our first episode about Nick. So there you go. He was only 20 when he filmed Handsome Devil. And then we also got a comment from the Don KG, KJ, sorry, just thanking us for explaining what we meant when we say baby girl, which is fair. That's like a little bit of a confusing term that kind of came out of nowhere. And then, yeah, basically, uh, they also just sent us a bunch of commentary about the movies that he's done and how they enjoyed them. And we really enjoyed reading your comment. So thank you so much. And we also got a comment on our Spotify, which says, I think it's great to listen to you discuss his work. I love him also, which thank you so much, user. We love him as well. So yeah, that's it for all of the comments that we got for this episode. Again, Thank you for commenting on our podcast. We love it. We love to see people interacting with it. And we really appreciate the love. Our music is by our good friend Pax, who is Fans Edge on Instagram. And the artwork on our website is by Draw Right Play on Instagram and Threads. As usual, thanks for listening. Our website is bisexualbreakdown.com, where you can find links to all the places you can listen to the podcast, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, as well as links to all our social media. We are on Tumblr, Instagram, and TikTok, and we are Bisexual Breakdown across all of those platforms. You can leave us comments and feedback on any of those, or if you prefer, you can email us at bisexualbreakdown at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye for now. are both bisexual that's so true